There's something really exciting going on. Um, the the world is the world is changing, uh, and people who have been hardcore lefties are now starting to go. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hang on! Some of this stuff isn't working, and we have a real opportunity to talk to people who were were dedicated on the other side. I mean, not radical revolutionary, you know, kind of people, but. Um, but people who believed in different things than we believed in, they are now saying, wait, I, I may have more in common with you than I thought. And we can actually find our path towards one another because the world has changed. I don't want to throw out the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. But other than that, I'm pretty willing to listen. Uh, and find a new path and what's happening is the left is starting to cave and say uh gee i don't i don't know why our cities are on fire i don't know why everybody is killing each other and that but that's got to stop what just happened in san francisco with the mayor of san francisco a guy who has been calling for this uh is michael schellenberger he is the author of the book san francisco and he's with us to talk about what's happening in San Francisco in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So in almost all cases, the secret to, su- to success in buying or selling a home is having the right real estate agent and timing. It's not as simple as just having somebody who knows how to find a good home for you. Well, you said you were looking for, you know, something in this budget range. Yeah, but no, that's not what I'm looking for. They really have to listen to you. And somebody who knows how to get the best house for you in the best neighborhood for you, the best possible price. There's a lot to being a great real estate agent. And my company, realestateagentsitrust.com, has gone and looked for the traits that real successful real estate agents have. What is it that they do? How is it that they keep their satisfaction rating so high? And how is it that they sell so many uh, homes? Well, there is a secret to that. That formula exists. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you can find those real estate agents. It's a free service to you. Tell us if you're moving or you know, you're selling or you're buying, whether across the street or across the country, and we can help you find the right real estate agent as a free service to you, realestateagentsitrust.com. Michael Schellenberger is with us, the author of San Francisco. No, San Francisco, sorry. It's a great, a great book. Stu's just wrapped. Are you, have you finished it yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, Michael, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. You Glad bet. To be back. So this is, this is a, a good thing that's happening from your point of view, I would imagine uh, San Francisco is starting to come to their senses. I mean, we're thrilled. I mean, what can I say? I mean, it's incredible to see the San Francisco mayor got up. She said in very blunt terms that things had to change. She explicitly called for tough love. She used that those words, tough love. And then she used an expletive, which I won't use. Yeah, um, I know. She said BS. Um, she said, we're not going to tolerate this BS anymore. And it was a very strong speech. I mean, look, there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical. I've read 30 <laughs> years of, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years of proposals coming out of the San Francisco government promising to do this. 
but it's clear she's staked her political future on what she does next. And it's just given a lot of momentum to the critics of this kind of radical progressive left nonsense, defund the police, that demoralized and demonized police, and that resulted in this crime surge we're seeing. We also saw the former mayor of Philadelphia come out and criticize the left-wing DA for, for, um, for basically dismissing the fact that we're in a crime wave at all. I mean, much of the left has been in denial that we're in the midst of record homicide levels in many cities, Right, you know, incredible amounts of crime going on, all of it created by progressive policies, all of it allowed by progressive policies. So to see this backlash now coming, including from the heart of progressivism, is really quite inspiring. So I want to play something from Nancy Pelosi because it goes to the mayor of, of San Francisco. Uh, and here's what she said yesterday, Nancy Pelosi. What it is, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. You know, obviously, it cannot continue. Uh, but the fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. <laughs> Maybe you do. Yes, I do. And we cannot have that lawlessness. So here's the here's the thing. She's she's claiming she doesn't know what's caused this lawlessness. It has been her and people like her who have allowed people to set fire to our cities, um, and it's the progressive policies now. This particular mayor, it was, I think, in June that she said, you know, I'm all in. We're cutting the budgets. We're doing all kinds of different things. What's how has she changed? What happened to her that make her that has given her this pivot point? Well, you know, Glenn, there's this famous old slogan from, I think, the 70s, which is um, liberals become conservatives when they're mugged by reality. And I think that's just what's happened here. I mean, yeah, it's striking. You got to remember San Francisco and, and Mayor Breed was one of the first progressive mayors to call for defunding the police. She announced $120 million in cuts to the budgets of both the San Francisco Police and Sheriff's Department just last year. I mean, we've seen the results on the ground. I mean, things are absolutely chaotic. It's hard to describe if you're not here, but we have... You know, the older and worsening problem of street addiction, open-air drug scenes, open-air drug uh, markets with violence. There's homicides have obviously increased all around the country, certainly in the Bay Area, particularly in Oakland, but also in San Francisco. And then we've seen this just greater audacity and brazenness of this really looting, you know, these smash-and-grab robberies organized on Snapchat, thieves going into luxury department stores, stealing designer handbags, and really giving lie to the claim by AOC and others on the progressive left who claimed that, oh, that these are just poor people stealing bread to survive. I mean, mm-hmm. these are folks that are stealing luxury handbags for money. So it's just, And then it's selling them openly on the street and, and not being hassled, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean... Uh, you know, we, when you and I talked before, this all boils down to a victim ideology, the idea that you can divide the world and people in the world into victims and oppressors, and that to the victims, everything should be given and nothing required. And that means that they basically, you know, started, the DA has stopped enforcing many laws against uh, people that they, they deem to be victims, whether they're drug addicts, mentally ill people, 
um, people breaking laws, uh, and that's what's given basically permission to all of this increased criminal activity. So do you think that this is another shell game? I mean, look, there are, there are Marxists that want a completely different system. I think there are people that call themselves progressives uh, that don't really understand what the progressive movement really kind of turned into. Um, but th- they they do agree with the Bill of Rights. They do agree with law and order. Um, and they they you know, they they believe in a lot of the same things I do. Which category is she in, do you think? Is this just another Marxist progressive that is now just going to try to hang on to power? Or do you think I mean, real asking- changes are open or on the table here? I mean, you're asking exactly the right question, which is there's a lot of progressive people that kind of go back and forth with one of two views. I mean, one view is I would call it a more liberal view, which you believe that, hey, we all have the same police. We should all be under the same laws. This is the foundation of our Constitution. It's the foundation of our civilization, which is uh, equal rights under the law. There's another view which says, no, we have to have this radical change. We need to get rid of the police. We need to have some completely different group of people in that role. The laws should be enforced differently depending on your, your identity or your experience. And, you know, you can see the difference. It's like there's one, you know, one set of people want to reform the police who doesn't want that, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to make the police better. There's another group that want to just get rid of them. And I think that when you see heavily emotional moments like last year, the George Floyd video, nobody could watch that and not be horrified by it. Nobody could watch that and not want to see police reform. Correct. In those emotional environments, the radical left takes advantage of people's genuine sympathies and genuine empathies, particularly liberals. They manipulate them to suggest that we should somehow abolish the police or defund the police. In fact, the research shows very clearly that if you want to reduce police violence, you actually have to fund the police. You actually need more police officers so that they have the time to get the training that they need. Michael, in your book, you, you had, I'm going to try to remember the anecdote, but you, you, you talked to someone uh, and you did a bunch of interviews for this book. And I thought it was really illustrative of what, what the issue is here. And it was about someone, a, a theoretical situation where a frat boy a hammered drunk frat boy comes out in front of somebody's house and goes to the bathroom on the sidewalk versus the actual problems that are going on in San Francisco, really with homeless people and others doing that same thing. And it seems like they're advocating for completely different treatments of these people uh, as if one is really bad and one isn't. Yeah, you got it. I mean, this was, you're referring to this conversation where I confront an uh, a lead attorney with the ACLU and I say, so you're saying that you shouldn't enforce laws against, say, public defecation if the person that's doing it is mentally ill or addicted to hard drugs. And she said, well, you have to make a judgment. I mean, if it's a frat guy urinating in my driveway, then he should be arrested. But if it's somebody with mental illness, you should send out a social worker. And, you know, first of all, that's just not actually how, that's not the best way to deal with the problem. I, I, I talk about how Europe deals with it, very liberal Europe. You arrest people for committing crimes. And yes, at, at the jailhouse, in front of the judge, with a psychiatrist, they are evaluated for whether or not they have a mental illness or a drug addiction. And often the alternative is rehab 
or psychiatric care if they're mentally ill. But we don't do that. And we stopped doing that. Exactly. And we've actually, I think we've made it worse. We've then given them free homes and, you know, a free apartment with absolutely no responsibilities. No responsibilities. You don't have to become clean and sober. You can just keep doing what you're doing, but now you're inside. You got it. And in San Francisco, I describe how giving cash, giving housing to people with serious mental illness and addiction with no accountability results in worsening of their disease and often death. And so, but at bottom, it's this idea that somehow the law should be enforced differently or that people should not be arrested for certain crimes when in fact it's actually arresting people for those crimes that often gets them the help that they need while of course also protecting public spaces uh, uh, public dignity, um, you know, and, and, and cities themselves. So it's really, they've created the worst of both worlds. They've both created increased human suffering and the destruction of our greatest cities. So out of those two categories of people, the ones who just want radical change and, uh, and those who just are seeing problems and, you know, want to fix things, but they're within parameters, where is this, do you feel the movement uh, of the first category, do you feel like that is starting to change and they are starting to say, look, I, I think there's a difference between a Democrat and you guys or a. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you know, so breed. The thing that's been happening is that the progressives came to power in San Francisco and breed, even though she's mayor, she's a weak mayor, not due to any fault of her own, but because the system gives her very little power. She's on this broader board of supervisors that's controlled by progressives. Breed is sort of the last generation of the moderates, and she's been outgunned really for years by the progressives. So I think what we're seeing is moderates coming back. You know, you sort of ask, what will the future bring? This is a really dynamic moment. It's a really chaotic moment. So truly, um, we don't know. It depends on what all of us do. I mean, I, you know, we've organized parents of kids killed by fentanyl, parents of kids addicted to, to hard drugs and clean fentanyl on the streets, as well as recovering addicts. We've created a coalition called the California Peace Coalition. We're actually scaling up nationwide because there's been so much demand for this nationally. We've put a lot of pressure on these guys privately, publicly. We've held protests of drug dealers in L.A. and in San Francisco And I tell you, it's had an impact. I mean, the response from people to our protests was basically what took you so long. Yeah. You know, and and we were like, look, we were the first ones protesting drug dealers. But I think it had an impact. We've also seen the communities most affected by open air drug dealing, which, of course, are poor Mm -hmm. communities, mostly minority communities. They've now started having marches and protests. And what's so interesting, Glenn, is that that's exactly what worked in other parts of the world, including the Netherlands, including Europe, is that it took the communities, the people themselves, from those neighborhoods, getting organized, demanding change. That's what's led the mayor to take the action she did. The crime obviously wasn't enough. It really took this kind of outrage, this action by the people, by the parents, by those communities, to get this uh, change yeah. of heart by the mayor. Yeah, I read a story in the New York Post today that said that it was, those, it was the people from the community and she was forced to look at it and and uh, and would attend and would actually talk to people. And she was like, you know what? We're wrong on this. 
we got to move towards the people and the people usually have the answer it's just whether or not the uh, politician is humble enough to listen to the people michael thank you so much for everything you do and uh and have a great holiday season Thanks so much for having me back on, Glenn. You too. Happy holidays. You bet. Uh, Michael Schellenberger, he is the author of San Francisco uh, and the founder and president of Environmental Progress. All of the things that you would think I really don't like, but I find this guy very, very reasonable. And, uh, you know, he's the author of Apocalypse Never, which is... You got to have that book, too. Yeah, you have have to have that. Both of them are really, really great. Apocalypse Never has so many things you'll go back to over and over and over again when you're debating the environment with your friends. Yeah, and he was the guy who Time Magazine said is the hero of the environment. Won the Green Book of the Year in 2008. Started doing more and more research, and he was like, this this is not... What they're saying is not true. Yes, the environment is uh, important and in trouble, but it's not going to kill us all. It's not like what they're saying, and I don't know if any of these solutions that they are saying are the good, right solutions. The guy is an honest broker of information, and uh, we have far too few of those, especially on those who came from the uh, progressive left. Michael Schellenberger is his name. Back in a minute. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I love eating snacks. And you really don't have to know much about me. You could just see a picture of me. And you're like, that's a snack eater right there. That's Mm -hmm. a guy. An expert. That's an expert on Mm -hmm. snacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when you're coming to uh, somebody and asking them about snacks, you can go to my wife or or, uh, uh, Lisa, Stu's wife, Mm -hmm. and they can tell you about healthy snacks. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what, great. I yeah. can't wait to hear more. Right. I can tell you about good snacks. Mm. Now, here's the best thing about Bilt Bars. Our wives told us about Bilt Bars, but they said they're really healthy. And we were like, hmm, it's great. Great to hear from you today. And uh, mm-hmm. just pass by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I was really desperate for something to eat. And uh, Bilt Bars were in the refrigerator. And my wife had been saying, and so I, because there was nothing else to eat, I decided I would snack on one. I think I ended up with about half of the box and uh, passed out with real chocolate on my face and <laughs> built bars, you know, wrappers all around. And she's like, oh, you found them, huh? Apparently you like them. And I'm like, I love them. <laughs> built bars. Built.com. Built.com. Use the promo code Beck15. Get 15% off your order. Use the promo code Beck15 at built.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. Yako Bowens is uh, Yako. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, he stopped me in the hall. In case you don't know who uh, Yako Bowens is, he is the president and founder of Share Together um, and ShareTogetherNow.org. He's a guy from South Africa. He's an American citizen now. Um, uh, he has been doing things to rescue slaves. His his uh, sister was abducted from his family and made a slave when he was in. Africa worked forever to try to get her back um, and is just a just an amazing guy on everything you do. You were down at the border. Just when was this last weekend to about 12 days ago, 12 days ago. And uh, tell me what happened. We're at the border to support law enforcement. So we took a ton of resources down, Glenn, because we fight child child trafficking but particularly with taking resources down i wanted to document once and for all 
the process end to end from the other side of Mexico, what, what the journey a child takes mm-hmm. with the illegal flights, the buses, the trips. And so we were documenting this whole process. And in the middle of documenting the process, as it would be, we follow the bus to the, to the Border Patrol Processing Center in Del Rio. And the bus enters, we're filming the bus, all legal. Border Patrol came out, said, hey, thanks for all your help and support. Just don't, you know, come onto the premises, stay where you are, good. As the bus enters, a Border Patrol officer in his Toyota Tundra truck exits the facility, stops cold, looks at our group, makes eye contact with one of our, our members, our senior members in our team, and floors his vehicle and whips. Peels out. Peels out and whips the vehicle right and strikes one of our senior members, runs her over. But the interesting thing is there's 10 of us standing in the group. He misses me by four inches. Somehow misses seven other people. Yeah, it's frightening, frightening video. But wait until you hear the follow-up that. We're going to show you the video of what happened on the border with a Border Patrol officer on people who are trying to help them. Uh, And... Now the state is involved. Great story to follow up. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Remember the hardworking, God-fearing, family-oriented people living in this country that constituted the majority, shared a little something called American values? Well, I think those people are still the majority. We're just quiet. We, I mean, what are you going to do? You got a, you got a replacement for, you know, Monday Night Football? Do you have a replacement for for Disney? What do you do? Well, you do have a replacement when it comes to uh, cell phone service. These giant corporations are part of the problem. And there is only one Christian conservative cell phone carrier. Now, I wouldn't ever ask you to sacrifice uh, your service because of a cause. I want to I want to present to you things that you can do that will make a difference, but give you the same reliable service at a lower cost. And if you're doing business with Verizon and AT&T, they're funding the other side. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Get free activation with the offer code Beck right now. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. Switch now. Don't forget to subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn, and it'll save you 10 bucks. Pre-order your copy of The Great Reset. Wherever our books are sold, you can get The Great Reset. Make sure you give it to somebody uh, for Christmas. The book is officially released in January, but you can order it now. It's my new book, The Great Reset, um, and uh, makes a great Christmas gift. All right, we're sitting here um, watching some amazing video uh, from Yako Buins, he is the president and founder of ShareTogetherNow.org. You were covering the crisis on the border because you are watching. I mean, it is clear child trafficking is happening yeah. at an enormous rate. And so you were tracking all the way from the Mexican side all the way to here in America and not just to the border guard. But also, they're going to put them on a plane, and they're going to send them someplace else. To Florida, to Alexandria Airport in, in, you know, right. in, in 
Louisiana up to wherever in mm-hmm. the U.S. The process of the children coming into the country, making the point that the the notion that we can keep every child safe, that our president mm-hmm. made that notion is is incorrect. And, and these children end up in the hands of traffickers in the U.S. So now you're following the bus and you go to one of the stations for the Border Patrol where they're processing these kids. You follow the bus, but you don't go in. No. Um, one of the border people come out and say, hey, thanks for the support, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you're standing there on the edge. And I'm going to show a video. You'll be able to hear what it's doing. A truck comes out. Uh, like a ram truck or something. What Toyota was it? Tundra. Okay. And um, uh, this uh, Toyota comes out. It has a border guard in it. You can see his face. He pulls up. He stops. He looks at somebody who is with you. Yeah. A senior member of our team, a female. Okay. Yeah. And who's filming the bus. Right. Yeah. She's filming and he slams down the accelerator. You'll hear the car peel out and then you'll hear the thump of her being hit. Listen, watch. There's the bus going in. Now comes the border patrol agent and apparently his personal truck. I mean, that's incredible. Wow, wow, he threw a truck at her. He threw a truck at her. Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah, and for what reason? Doesn't know us, and if he did for a minute, all we do is support law enforcement, but then he flees the scene of the crime. He gets chased down to a red light, flees again, and it turns into a massive debacle because he is a Border Patrol agent in uniform. Um, Very unfortunate. When you look at the video, too, he's not even looking forward where you would normally look when you're driving. He's looking directly, like, with eye contact at, at this woman who yes. he just tries Hits. to run over. Yeah. Stops his vehicle, comes to a stop, looks at her, and the stop is protocol for them, and I found that out, yeah, because yeah. the gate has to close behind them so that no one can sneak into the gate. So he follows right. that protocol. So he's at least with wherewithal for that. Yeah, and he knows. I mean, he's clearly looking at you guys on yeah. the corner. And there's 10 people and that he's looking at. He's not just looking at – he's looking at, at this particular woman, but he – which you don't see. He misses me by six inches, maybe. Enough for me to, to touch the truck, to slap the side of the truck, to yell stop. Because you just struck a human being with your yeah. vehicle. Mm. So, um, now, y- you might say, and this, is, this, this will sh- separate this show from the left and the rest of media. You might say that that guy thought you were a bunch of lefties sure. that were trying to you know, do bad things to the Border Patrol. Even if that's true, I hope he goes to jail. Um, you don't. You, you just don't do that. Yeah. You say that you just think this is something that is showing how close they are just to snapping the pressure they're under. You know, Glenn, you do such a great job. You and Stu on this show of just connecting dots for America. You do an amazing job. So if we just continue that thread, connecting dots, earlier that day and the day before, I have interviews with state troopers and what you have to remember is not just border patrol we're using state troopers mm-hmm. national guard mm-hmm. texas guard this is this is copybook the message on the border anybody you talk to sir we are here to support the refugees and i say son he's 25 no you signed up for the us national guard for a different reason than that sir we're here to support the refugees 
And you could say, but they're not refugees. Sir, we're here to support the refugees. And what that says to me, and I look at this, the pressure that our law enforcement agents on the border are under because of the administration, the message and, and, the, and the edict and the mantra from the Biden administration, they're going to crack. You're going to see this happen more and more and more. We're seeing Border Patrol agents commit suicide. This is a result, I believe, of an unholy pressure that's on our law enforcement from the administration. Because can you imagine every day after day, I'll show you, kids being fished out of the river. If you see that as a Border Patrol agent and you know you're not deterring illegal immigration, that pressure's going to mount up. Something's mm-hmm. going to snap. But you are pressing charges against him, aren't yes, you? And yes, and so uh, this is federal. So the district attorney is taking it. It's even in the Attorney General of Texas's office at the moment. And the charges against him by the state, not even by us, is um, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, which is a felony. And then second felony, fleeing the scene of a crime. There's going to be a civil suit by the woman who was struck by the vehicle, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But there's a federal suit that's got, even got nothing to do with her. So he's he's in serious hot water at this moment. And he, do we know anything about him and his record? Yeah, we do. Um, and look, it's public knowledge. His name's Roberto Duran. No reference to the boxer, right? Okay. But, but, but and, and he's been with Border Patrol for a long time. They call him Bobby. And to what we know, no prior behavior like this, which again tells me it's just it's, the snapping. These guys are snapping. He doesn't know us. He's never had any interaction. If he knows anything about us, Glenn, you know, he'll know. These guys are with us. They fight for us. Yeah, Heck, yeah, yeah. The day before, we delivered goods to Border Patrol, physical resources right so i think this is it's unfortunate he has to of course he acted as an individual and we'll see whether the state feels that that the pressure was he was whatever whatever doesn't matter he still still should pay for for a a crime i mean you know fleeing the scene is uh is almost as bad as the first one i mean you know two bad decisions yeah you make a mistake you don't flee the you don't flee the scene and i think the peeling out of the tires intentional yeah speaks uh speaks uh volumes yeah yeah yako thank you for everything that uh you're doing let let me ask you one more question when they filed this i have heard that because you had nine eyewitnesses? Nine eyewitnesses who had sworn affidavits on site. PD took this very serious. PD separated themselves from Border Patrol because PD can't arrest them. It's got to come from Washington. It's yeah. a whole, it's a debacle. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Glenn, when that case was filed by PD to the district attorney's office yesterday, they omitted to enter the eyewitness reports or the video. How, how is that possible? It's not. I mean, it's possible if it's done intentional. It's not in the case mm. file. So now we had to go to the district attorney, also notified the attorney general to say, look, nine eyewitnesses signed affidavits on site. None of it's in the case file. It's a problem. There's so much cover up <sighs> at the border, Glenn. There's so much. I mean, it's, it's insane what's happening down there. Guys who are working on the border, you can't. Just let things fall where they fall. Let the chips fall where they may. Please. We, uh, I believe most people in the United States are with the Border Patrol. Yeah. You start covering, you start doing anything like this. I know the pressure. I know. But you've got to be on the up and up. And I, and 
I really, truly don't think I believe and I know 99% of our, our border patrol, our, you know, law enforcement officials, et cetera, et cetera, are good guys. Mm-hmm. Don't make excuses for the bad guys. Let the chips fall where they may. We've got to have somebody we trust. And if you start doing stuff like this, you'll lose our trust. And then what do we have? What do we have? Yako, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you, Stu. Keep us up to speed on, uh, on what happens. It's become very apparent in recent months that uh, what the current administration lacks in knowledge on what causes inflation, it also lacks the knowledge of what it what it takes to fix it. Now, the problem is the Fed came out yesterday and said that they're going to raise interest rates three times, uh, significantly raise interest rates is what they said uh, three times next year. Okay, That's good. However, they're also tapering all of the free money that they've been given to the back door. Um, and uh, so they're now everybody's on their own. Nobody's getting a bailout. Those two things are going to be very, very bad because we've done too much. The Fed is afraid they don't have any bullets that will actually work to get this thing under control without collapsing the economy. We are in that place where we could collapse quickly and the dollar could spiral out of control quickly. Please do yourself a favor and at least find out the information on gold and silver. Can you diversify and protect some of your retirement, your 401k or your IRA? You have a self-directed IRA acquisition. You can get 6% in promotional metals for qualifying self-directed IRA acquisition. So you can you can buy them uh, and get extra metal. It is worth at least investigating. Please, please, please. The dollar will become worthless. When that happens, you don't want to be holding everything you have in dollars. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Hey, the last uh, Wednesday special was last night. Yes. And it was a big one. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis on the program. Yeah. Did you get to the bottom of whether we had talked to him before? I, I, I feel like we have. But yeah, I we have. We remember we have. it. Yeah, it's we been have. a while. Uh, he is. Uh, I like him yeah? a lot. I like him a lot. Does he like you? Because we know uh, at some know. point you don't usually know. He screw was very up in nice. a relationship. Yeah, I so. know. Well, with politicians, because they'll do, they'll end up doing something that is like, you can't just take your opponent away in handcuffs, <laughs> and uh, then you'll complain about it, and yeah, then we'll never talk to you right, again. Right? Exactly. But it's so far so good. Here he is on uh, the border situation. This is Ron DeSantis from last night. Now the story is is that you are using uh, migrant children. Uh, for political purposes. Uh, I assume this is because the federal government flew um, illegals into your airports in the middle of the night without alerting anyone. Is that correct? Not only did they do that, Glenn, uh, one of the people that they brought in who they said was a minor but was actually 24 years old, uh, then committed a murder in the Jacksonville area. And so 
it were not for Biden running this border the way he is and then ferreting people out in different communities, including Florida, that terrible crime would have never happened. What Biden is doing is he is conducting the largest human smuggling operation yeah. uh, in the history of our country. This is intentional. Donald Trump had policies that were working. Uh, he reversed all those knowing what the result would be. I, I talked to him about he's dead serious about the shipping them up to Martha's Vineyard. Really? Yeah. He said, <laughs> the, I have to get the money. And I said, if you need a bridge loan, you know, I, yes. call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, I think we're going to get the money from the state to do it. He said, but uh, this has got to stop. And so when they have another plane that comes in, if we, he said, it's like CIA stuff. We don't know when they're coming in and they'll just land. He said, but we will find out when the next plane is coming in. If we catch them, he said, we're just going to take them and we're going to put them on another plane and we're going to send them to Martha's Vineyard. And he said, you know, it's, it's time we stop this nonsense. And I told him, if you can't get the money, call us. We will raise $8 million for you to do that. We, that, that we can do that. We can do for, for plane loads of people going to Martha's Vineyard and Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can do that. Mm-hmm. I think we can do mm-hmm. that. Be a, be an honor to do that. Um, here he is on, uh, running for governor, uh, and also running for president cut 11. Now you're going to be running for governor, but they're going to say that, you know, any opponent of yours is going to say he's just using the, you know, gubernatorial uh, offices uh, as a stepping stone in Florida. You're nothing but a stepping stone to the White House. How would you respond to that? Well, nobody has poured their heart and soul into this job more than me. I think if you look at the what we've been able to achieve, you look at me going across the state, meeting with people, delivering on promises, you know, that's what it's all about. It's all about leadership and we're going to continue to do it. It's also interesting like, you know, I don't go around saying anything about about 2024. Like that's all just speculation that gets imposed on me. But when I have my opponents will actually say, you know, if you reelect him governor, then he's going to eventually get elected to something else. Aren't they acknowledging that I've been a successful governor? I mean, typically, if you get reelected, and you, you know, you must have done something right. And if people are saying all this stuff, so you know, but from the very beginning of when I ran for governor. You know, we, we kind of take it one day at a time. And I want to say, what can I get? What more can we be doing on a daily basis? And so we're very active. And when I became governor, I told myself, whoever succeeds me, I want the meat to be off the bone. They're not going to have a lot to do because I'm going to take everything I can, the low hanging fruit, the difficult fruit, and we're going to knock it out. And, you know, we have, Glenn, if you look at my inauguration speech, I've already accomplished everything I said I would do then, and then we've done much more. And that's the thing. So many politicians promise big and then way under deliver. We did promise big too, but we've actually over delivered on those big promises. I, I will tell you that I think that uh, he's not going to run for president in 22. Really? Yeah, I think he's going to run for governor. And uh, then when, uh, or not, uh, sorry, not in 22, 24, but 24. Yeah. I think. Trump is going to run. If Trump doesn't run, then maybe. But uh, if Trump runs, he's not going to. He's just going to button that state up. He's doing a great job in a in a purplish state. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they like him. They like him. Uh, he's doing a great job. I think if Trump 
runs. He won't. He'll wait four years. This is the Glenn Beck Program.